1: Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, College Hockey Play-by-Play Announcer, and also Devils writer for the Hockey Writers, Trey Matthews. And it's currently one seventeen p.m. Eastern Time. August 11, 2021, at the time it's recording. And guys, if you missed the last couple of episodes, I was trying to catch up. So uh, on Tuesday's episode, I talked about Dougie Hamilton, and then in yesterday's episode, I talked about Jonathan Bernier, and I talked about how both of those signings were big for the New Jersey Devils because we were able to get our big name free agent that was sort of rumored to come to our organization. I did a silly season episode in regards to that, and it came into fruition. So it goes to show you that silly season sometimes isn't so silly, and it can actually come true. And then as for Bernier, we got our backup goalie for Mackenzie Blackwood. And Bernier, like I mentioned in the last episode, he has championship experience. He's been in this league for a while. He was on a very lowly Detroit Red Wings uh, team, so his stats, uh, you know, if we put it into perspective... Maybe they will improve once he's with a better organization. And quite honestly, guys, I think the New Jersey Devils were better than the Detroit Red Wings because at least we're in contention for, at the very least, a wild card spot. Whereas the Detroit Red Wings are nowhere close out of their rebuild, despite, you know, making, uh, I say, some moves during the offseason. Obviously, their biggest one, in my opinion, was Nedeljkovic. But you're going to have to uh, talk to Nolan Bianchi of Lockdown Red Wings to get more information on that. But anyway, let's focus on the now. So it's been a busy offseason for the New Jersey Devils and i kind of feel bad for missing out but like i told you guys in the first episode in which i returned after like a week and a half i said i was on vacation so i didn't really have time to uh you know sit down and record an episode and basically give you guys uh my initial reaction to dougie hamilton and jonathan bernier and thomas tatar and you know other things that were happening amongst the organization and also the league but you know, like I told you guys, sometimes we all need a vacation, but I'm doing the best I can, and I decided to make it up to you guys. So, joining me on today's show, he is from The Athletic, and I've actually mentioned him on this show many times before when I need a source. So, it's Corey Mazzac, aka Corey from The Athletic. So, he is joining me on today's show. We're going to reflect on this past season. We're going to uh, talk about the successful offseason for the New Jersey Devils, ranging from the draft and getting Luke Hughes, and then we're going to talk about Dougie Hamilton. We're going to talk about Jonathan Bernier and Thomas Tatar, and we're going to talk about expectations for the future for the New Jersey Devils, and also, since he does work for The Athletic, we're going to ask some rumors and see, like, does he know any, like, inside information Uh, In terms of the Devils organization, in terms of their sense of direction, it's really going to be enjoyable. And remember, this is the second time that I'm getting someone from The Athletic to join me on the show. So uh, back in January, I had Craig Custance appeared on the show. He is the editor-in-chief for the NHL branch. But Corey, as we all know, covers the New Jersey Devils full-time for The Athletic. So I'm really excited to talk to him, and we're going to talk to him in a minute. But first, I have to give you guys the first and second live reads this morning. And the first one comes from rockauto.com. So with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from the same car dealership? So, rockauto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rockauto.com's prices are reliably low for every consumer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website and find the solution to all your auto parts needs. So. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And the second live read comes from Built Bar. So did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies, and cream, and German chocolate but you know what my favorite flavor is? Well, recently, I love me some coconut because I was just on vacation. So if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. So not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars ever, but they're super healthy as well. Check out these statistics. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So uh, order today and get that raspberry or whatever Built Bar you like. So the offer is go to BiltBar.com. You use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15 percent off your first order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 50% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, I've kept you waiting long enough. Now let's talk to Corey Massasek from The Athletic as we're going to reminisce on this past season, talk about the offseason and expectations for the New Jersey Devils, and maybe he'll give us some even more insight in terms of what goes on behind the scenes at the Prudential Center. So let's take it away. And joining me is another worker from The Athletic. I've had Craig Custance on this show before, but he covers the New Jersey Devils full-time for The Athletic's hockey branch. It's Corey Massasek. Corey how you doing
0: I'm doing great uh, feels like uh, the offseason is sort of winding down and it's almost time to get ready to watch some hockey games again
1: yep it's uh is it October yet because it's been a successful offseason for the New Jersey Devils <laughs> but you know from dougie Hamilton to Thomas Tatar Jonathan Bernier uh, Luke Hughes uh, I think uh, Tom Fitzgerald has really hit the nail on the head so far but um I want to first uh, just establish with everyone. So you obviously work for the athletic. Um, Are you like on any insight with the New Jersey Devils? Like, uh, will we see you at like press conferences? Do you have any like, like uh, information in terms of just like uh, what goes on in the New Jersey Devils organization?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I mean, certainly over the last couple of years, it's been, it's basically, you know, basically since the pandemic started, it's been nothing but Zoom calls. So at least, uh whenever after games and practices so there's there's been a lot of a lot of people probably hearing my voice on if they're listening to press conferences but uh generally whenever whenever the season starts if we're allowed back in the locker room again like you know the days the days before the pandemic i uh i tend to try to do most of my reporting away from away from the cameras and uh and try to get away from the scrums when i can but uh yeah, it should be. I mean, just just that, just that in general, is is going to be one of the interesting things to, to watch. this season is, you know, just wh- where the media is going to be allowed to go and be. And last year was a very different year than than anything we've ever really experienced before.
1: Right. And let's just talk about this past year. Um, I, I had a bunch of New Jersey Devils personalities on my show uh, a couple of weeks ago. I talked to Alex Chavansi of the Hockey Writers, Dan Rice. Uh, Neil, who runs Devil's State of Mind podcast, Robert Incan Jr., uh, Chris Weisel, and you know, we basically talked about uh, just, just the uh, reminiscing over the New Jersey Devils season. So, I want to give your opinion. I want you to join the party a little bit. What were your opinions on New Jersey Devils uh, this past season?
0: Well, um, I mean, I, th- I think one way to look at it would be um, if there was a way to draw up a script where they, a lot of the young players showed tangible improvements and people would, could feel better about the long-term health of the organization while also still getting a high draft pick because you lose a bunch of games. I mean, I, I think it kind of worked out uh, pretty well. Now, granted, look, lots of, lots and lots of fans are just sick and tired of them losing and don't want to hear anything more about high draft picks and ping pong balls and, and all that. And I totally get that. They probably, some of those same people probably felt a little bit different whenever Tom Fitzgerald said Luke Hughes' name at the, during the draft. I mean, that's, that's sort of the, the reward that you get from all of the pain, but um, yeah, I know. I mean, I think, you know, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of uncertainty about how the season was going to go with a new coach and, Fitzgerald was in his first year as the full-time GM and, you know, they had, they made a few off season additions, but it certainly wasn't like the summer of 2019 where, you know, they, people were saying that they had, you know, quote unquote, won the off season. So, you know, I, I, think obviously Jack Hughes taking a big step was, was the most important thing that happened. Um, I, I think just in general over the whole team that I thought that they played, they just looked much more competitive and played much better at even strength in particular, Um, obviously the special teams were still a mess, but that's, you know, that's something that can be fixed. Um, it's, you know, I mean, the thing that I wrote the day after the season ended or on the last day of the season was that it was going to be very hard to figure out exactly what happened that season, because, you know, we, we think that a bunch of young players took a step forward, but like just from the COVID stuff and the way the schedule was and all of, there's just a whole lot of factors that it, it almost feels like we're going into this training camp still not entirely sure what they have with some other young players outside of maybe Jack Hughes and Nico but um, But I would say on the whole, like, you know, I mean, it was just a weird, messy season for everyone in the NHL. And, you know, the Devils had one of the worst COVID outbreaks in the league. And there was definitely a point later in the season where it was like, one of the things that I've always said is like, you, there's a way, there's almost like an art to, if you don't want to call it tanking that's just say playing for draft position where you the team needs to compete. They need to lose close, essentially. And that wasn't happening near the end of the season. There was a that's that stretch of eight or ten games in there where it got really ugly. And that wasn't you know, that wasn't ideal for anyone. But I, I do think as a whole, um, you know, Lindy Ruff and Tom Fitzgerald and even the ownership group were gonna probably look back at that season and say that some guys took a step forward and, and that was what they needed from it.
1: Right. And you know, like like I said, uh, this was a pretty successful offseason because uh, we needed a top free agent. We got it. We needed a defenseman. We got it. Uh, Top six player. Got it. Backup goalie. Got it. But let's go back to uh, the draft because uh, this draft class was kind of interesting because we saw that Owen Power or Matt Beneers could uh, go one, two. Obviously, it became Power and then Beneers. But Beneers was in the running to be the first overall pick. But Then that raised a question for the New Jersey Devils, who had the fourth overall pick. Obviously, we used it for Luke Hughes, the younger brother of Jack. And hopefully, uh, after a year or two at the University of Michigan, he's ready to go for the New Jersey Devils. Obviously, he's going to have to play for our AHL team, uh, uh, the Utica Comets, uh, for like half a season before he's ready to be called up. But uh, overall, uh, let's just go back to the draft. Did you hear any like rumors in in terms of maybe – the New Jersey Devils could potentially go in a different direction? Because I think the surprising pick was uh, Mason McTavish by the Anaheim Ducks, and that left, like, Simon Edmondson, Brant Clark, obviously Luke Hughes available on the board. Were you hearing any, like, um, rumors as to what the New Jersey Devils were going to do, whether it be drafting someone completely different than their projected uh, draft selection or maybe even trade that fourth overall pick away from maybe someone like Jack Eichel is is something I was kind of hearing as well. Like uh, what what was going on? uh, Like the days leading up to the draft and the aftermath? Well,
0: I think, I mean, pretty much throughout the entire process, it was, it was, you know, whether it was people from inside the organization or outside people were just saying, you know, We're saying Luke. Uh, I did. There was like maybe a couple of days. I'd say let's let's say in in the day or two leading up to it. I I think they were pretty high on uh, Simon Evans the other, you know, the the big defenseman from Sweden. Um, You know, maybe he was maybe let's say that Seattle or Anaheim had taken Luke Hughes that that maybe he would have been the next guy on their board. Uh, There was also I had there was like a, you know, on draft day, there's always just stuff flying around. There was. There was definitely, uh, let's let's call it a tip that that the Devils had maybe talked to a team, uh, you know, a couple spots or you know somewhere somewhere below them. Let, let's say that they were going to maybe move back, and I, I think that was, you know, that was something that was like let's say that you know let's say they were zeroed in on Zuki, Luke Hughes and he did go two or three, then they might have called that team back and said. You know, I'm I'm trying to think who the teams were. It was there was like uh the Kings at eight and the Detroit at six and um. Anyway, let's let some somewhere in that six, seven, eight range that they might have they might have had somebody else in mind. Um. Now again, if it had been Evanson, I mean, he went right right away at number five, so that maybe that wouldn't wouldn't have have been the idea that they would have been able to move back and get their own guy, the guy that they wanted or their fallback option might not have worked out. But I mean, I really think that like. It was just, and it wasn't. I mean, the the most obvious thing is is that he's Jack's brother, but there was there were just a lot of other reasons why, um, that pick just sort of lined up with what the Devils have have looked for in previous drafts and the needs that they had, and just you know, I mean, I think I think Tom Fitzgerald has said it three or four times since the draft that he they think that Luke Hughes has the biggest upside, and I really thought that the fact that he was the youngest guy out of all of them. And the fact that we were basically trying to compare him to like a guy like Owen power who had basically a full year of college ahead of him. Um, I think, um, you know, basically if if Luke Hughes was going to be there for that was going to be their pick. All
1: right. And obviously he is our guy. And, uh, but unfortunately, like I mentioned, it's going to take a while before Luke Hughes actually gets to the NHL level and plays with his brother, Jack, because I think uh, Luke has revealed that his intention is to play at least two years at the University of Michigan, similar to what Power and Beneers, uh, I believe, are also going to do because I believe Power and Beneers are both going back to Ann Arbor this fall to give uh, one last shot for the Wolverines program. But um, let's just talk about the offseason. So there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of rumblings happening. And Dougie Hamilton signs a seven-year deal with the New Jersey Devils north of $60 million. I talked about this on my show already, but Uh, What was leading up to maybe Tom Fitzgerald wanting to go for someone like Dougie Hamilton? I also heard that there was also maybe an email in play to other big name free agents to convince them to come to the New Jersey Devils. But what was just leading up to that big moment of getting a finalist uh, from the Norris Trophy just a few months ago?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that it was just sort of the right time and the right place for them. Um, you know, like I, if you go back and look at the past couple of years, there have been, if you look at like the last 15 or 20 years, there haven't been that many players, specifically defensemen at Dougie Hamilton's level, whoever reached the free agent market, but there have been a couple recently and there've been a couple available that have been kind of very available in the trade market. And, you know, there wasn't where the devils were with their rebuilding process. It just wasn't, you know, I remember a couple of years ago writing about whether or not they should make a play for Eric Carlson before he got traded to the sharks. And then last year it was Alex Petrangelo when he became a, free, if he was going to be a come a free agent from the blues. And both of those guys were older and like, we've already seen with Eric Carlson and the sharks. Like if you're two or three years away from contending, you know, getting a guy and signing him to a seven or eight year contract who's already in his thirties um, maybe doesn't work out the best for you. Uh, so I think the fact that the fact that Dougie is younger, I mean, he's only, he's only 28 at this point. Uh, I think the fact that he, you know, I'm, you know, our guy Dom at the athletic, his projection model says that Hamilton's going to be, you know, he's going to age pretty well. I'm, I'm sure the devils analytics guys have their own projection model. That probably says something similar. And so I just think that like, this was sort of just a perfect opportunity where there weren't a lot of teams that had the enough, had enough cap space to really, give Hamilton that type of offer. Um, it became pretty clear that the hurricanes were not uh, going to be willing to give him that much money. Um, there were maybe, you know, maybe one for sure. And maybe a second, another team out there that was, I think they were. So that was sort of the thing. Like there was the report early in the day that, that the deal with the devils was already done. And then um, Tom Fitzgerald had, had sort of uh, said that wasn't true or whatever uh and then as the day went on there was just the longer it went the more i i was sort of you know texting around to people and try to find out if there was like another team that was getting involved and maybe hamilton was having second thoughts or whatever the deal was trying to go was going on and and every time something came back it was no it's going to happen so i mean i think the biggest thing was that the way that the contract is structured was really complex and not very it was not a standard seven-year deal like just nine million a year so that was probably the biggest thing that they were sort of haggling over um but yeah i mean it was you know if the salary cap had gone up there might have been more teams involved if um you know if if a couple of other teams had done things differently maybe there had been more teams been involved but it was really the one spot where there was a team that really needed a number one defenseman and really had the salary cap space and the commitment to, to give him that kind of money
1: Right. And uh, he, he's with us for at least seven years. Hopefully this uh, does pan out. And uh, like I mentioned in my show, he, he has a great Corsi 4 percentage. Uh, it's above elite status. Uh, we, we see what he could do on both the offensive and defensive end. And it's been a long time since we've had a player of his caliber join our organization and it could take some of the pressure off of PK Subban. Maybe Ty Smith can develop in a uh, great direction, having someone, uh, take the reins of just being the best defenseman for the New Jersey Devils. Damon Severson, if he sticks around for a minute and uh, the Ryan Graves, obviously we trade for him and I believe he has a lot of upside. The main question is, can he translate his success from the Colorado avalanche? Just a great organization to uh, Newark, but uh, obviously that's uh, just a question mark. That's just going to have to wait until the season starts. And, uh, we, we For the first time, I feel like we have a lot of options from uh, the defensive side of things, and I'm looking forward to seeing what we could do. Uh, now, one player that I do want to talk about, we got our top six guy, sort of, Thomas Tatar. Now, his defense is not really great, but his offense is mean, – I think he'll fit in quite well with the New Jersey Devils, but he's going to be a top six player. Do you have any opinions on uh, Tatar and what he could potentially bring for the New Jersey Devils organization?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think – look, he, I don't think he's going to be – like just a pure classic goal scorer. Like, I think that was sort of like, if you looked at their, the makeup of the devil's young forwards, they've got a bunch of guys who are playmakers first and shooters second. And may, and probably to, to the frustration of some people last year there with that, that. So, you know, you have guys like obviously Jack and Nico are going dis- to, are going to distribute the puck, but then also even guys on the, you know, some of the wings that they have, like Jesper Bratt, um, even I, th- I think Pavel Zaka maybe became a little bit more of a shooter last year, but so you look at all that and say, well, they just need, they just need somebody to, to you know, to hammer one timers or to a guy that can literally, you know, just it's a, it's a three on two rush and Jack, you know, passes the buck over to him and they beat the goalie clean. And I, you know, I think so. so Tomas is, is going to do some of that. I mean, he's, he's definitely, he scored. Um, I think what was the stat that he, he has six 20 goal seasons in the NHL and the rest of the Devils roster combined has two. So he's certainly the most uh, established goal scorer on the roster now, um, but I, I think he's you know he's more of an all around offensive player. In um, in a way, maybe he's let's say he's like a better version of Jesper Bratt, or maybe he's kind of the player that the Devils hope Jesper Bratt could can grow up to be. Um, so you know, I think I think it's the, the most interesting th- thing to me about him is like okay, so they said they were going to go out and get a top six wing and. You know, we can, you know, we can talk about Vladimir Tarasenko or anybody else that that might still be out there. And you would have said, "Well, okay, so they're going to bring that guy in, and he's going to play next to Hughes because you know Hughes is the offensive genius, and they needs they need somebody to finish his his chances." Well, like Tomas Tatar, like he just came from Montreal where he played with Philip Deneau and Brendan Gallagher, and that line. I mean, Philip deno is a little bit more like Nico Heishier than than Jack Hughes, and so maybe. May I'm, you know, we, we don't know. It's going to, we're going to see in, in training camp, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up playing more with Nico in sort of a, uh, defense and offense of role instead of just like the pure offensive thing that people were maybe expecting playing next to Jack Hughes. Uh, but it, it certainly does give them options. It gives, you know, gives them a little bit more depth up front and they don't have to just roll, roll back, roll out the same top two lines that they had at the end of the year last year.
1: We still have more in store with Corey from The Athletic, but first I have to give you guys the third and final live read this morning and comes from Bet Online. So Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs in the MLB. So head to the website, or use your mobile device, and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and remember to visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. So let's get back to our discussion with Corey Massasek from The Athletic in terms of the New Jersey Devils season. I do agree with you. I believe uh, Thomas Tatar uh, is going to have to play with like Jesper Bratt and uh, Nico Heischer because both of those players are great two-way uh, players uh, on the New Jersey Devils roster, and uh the thing is Tatar was a healthy scratch uh for the Montreal Canadiens during their playoff run. I believe he played in one series and I believe that was against um the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they had to the healthy scratch him because his defense is not really that great. So he could have had much more playoff experience, but uh his defense just wasn't uh holding up uh, the end of the bargain. So they, they had no choice but to scratch him. But for the New Jersey Devils, I don't think he'll be a uh, healthy scratch. I, I believe we just have to hide him amongst great two-way players like Brat and um, Heizer. So I believe – I don't think he'll be on Hughes's line because I think Hughes is strictly like, you know, great offense and we don't really need like um, – him uh, just disrupting the rhythm of the young line of Hughes, Quokenin and Sharon Govich. I believe Tom Fitzgerald and uh, Lindy Ruff, they're going to run that line next season to see how it works. But I think um, ju- just overall the, our top six guys of uh, – of brought Brat, um, Tatar, and then Hughes, Quoken, and Sharon Govich. And I think it'll be interesting to see next season, and obviously it's going to raise a question as to what's going to happen to Pavel Zaka. Will he remain in the top six? Will he be moved down? Uh, I believe uh, he's improved year after year, but that's just a question we're just going to have to wait until puck drop to start the season. So uh, let's talk about backup goalies. So uh, Corey Crawford abruptly uh, uh, retires earlier this year during training camp. Uh, That puts Scott Wedgwood into the backup role, uh, surprisingly. And Scott Wedgwood, I think he got off to a pretty decent start, but didn't finish off the season on the best of notes. And Aaron Dell was a complete disaster. But now we got Jonathan Bernier. Jonathan Bernier, a.k.a. the guy who thought Nelson Mandela was a backup goalie. But anyway, let's talk more from a hockey standpoint. Uh, How did this come into fruition? Because I heard that Jonathan Bernier had a phone call with Marty Brodeur about coming to the New Jersey Devils after having a fallout contract dispute with uh, the Carolina Hurricanes after the, the Delkovich trade. So, how did this all just become about, and how do you think he'll impact our roster?
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I, th- I think the um, I think the the conversation with Marty might have actually happened after they after they signed him. There was some there was some like it was a little confusing the way that it was laid out uh, during the during the press conference. But either way, that that's sort of. That is, it is something like, like it's, it's hard to just to, to say like exactly what having just having Marty in that room and, and being part of the, the front office, I, I go back to like, you know, even let's say an off season or two ago when there was, there was some, uh, you know, there were, there was some, I don't know what the right word is. We, we weren't sure that Mark Andre Fleury was definitely going to stay in, in, in Las Vegas, obviously that, that move actually happened this summer, this summer, but it, there was the, the summer before, before the Corey Crawford thing, there was some question about whether the, you know, Vegas might trade uh, Mark Andre Fleury because they had just signed Robin Leonard. And, um you know, it, it, it was pointed out to me that Mark Andre Fleury's favorite goalie growing up was Mark was, was Mark. And he had, you know, his poster on the wall and all that thing. So I do think there's, you know, that, that, that maybe that you wouldn't have thought that New Jersey was the place that the Marc-Andre Fleury would want to play at the end of his career. But if Marty was around that, you know, maybe that, maybe that would factor into it, but regardless, um, I do think that like Jonathan Bernier is basically going to be pretty close to what they thought Corey Crawford could be last, last season. I mean, they, they were, you know, they were obviously very excited to, to land Crawford. He was, you know, arguably the best goalie on the market and and given the price that they paid, he was the best value Um, Then he didn't, you know, it didn't last very long. Um, So, but I do think that like, just look, they haven't had, they haven't had two goalies play well at the same time in a very long time. I mean, this, for this organization, honestly, ever, because Marty used to play, you know, 65 to 70 games a year and then. Uh, so that this organization has never really done the tandem thing where it, you sort of tag off and tag you know tag in and tag out and maybe one guy plays forty to forty five and the other one plays thirty-five to forty. Um so that that could be that should be interesting. But just just the the n the, the numbers on how like competitive the devils have been the past couple of years when Mackenzie Blackwood plays versus how like worse than the Buffalo Sabres and Detroit Red Wings they've been whenever somebody else has played, whether it was Corey Schneider or Keith Kincaid or, um, you know, uh, Louis Deming or Aaron Dell or Scott Wedgwood, there's just sort of been a, a long line of guys who have tried to help M- McKenzie out. And just, you know, I mean, I think just looking back at last season, like, you know, the COVID stuff really hit, hurt him maybe more than anybody else on the roster. And the fact that they just didn't have – and the, a guy like Bernier, that they could just say, "Look, we need you to play for two weeks right now because McKenzie needs to get his stuff together." Um, that I mean, that that type of thing over the next two years could be the difference between a playoff berth and not, and not making it. I mean, there's every year there's you know eight to ten established starting goalies in the NHL who just get a, get into a funk, and McKenzie has had a funk in pretty much every season that he's been in the NHL, and to have the guy they can just step in and start seven or eight games in a row or eight out of 10 or whatever they need them to to do. And so maybe the team goes, you know, six and four in that run instead of two and eight, like that's a, that's that could, if they're, if they end up where they think they're going to be over the next couple of years, which is fighting for a playoff spot, that, that two week stretch could, could end up being the difference.
1: Right. And I'm looking forward to seeing what could potentially happen. But it kind of leads into my uh, last and final question, which is um, what are your expectations for the New Jersey Devils this upcoming season?
0: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting uh, topic of discussion for the next whatever it is, six weeks until the season starts, I'm sure. I mean, look, they, you know, there's there's already been articles written about how they're the most improved team in the league. I don't I don't doubt that I mean I, our our guy Dom his model said they were the most improved team in the league and that was before they added to guitar so now they're even more improved um, I think that like one thing that has already emerged for me I like I, I wrote a thing that that uh, ran uh, today would say Tuesday uh, and that it was sort of the first in a series of season preview type articles and like if you just look at the roster I think it's totally fair to look at the 20 you know the guy whatever that you think their 20-man roster is going to be on opening night assuming everyone is healthy and say those 20 guys could get to 95 or 96 or 98 points and make the playoffs if everything goes right that's i don't think that's out of the question what is it probably out of the question is that those 20 guys staying healthy and the issue for them is their 21 to 30 is um isn't just not at the level of what some of the other any you know the Playoff caliber teams is going to be. So I, I do think that, you know, they're, they're, they I think there's going to be nights where they look like a playoff team or even stretches where they're going to look like a playoff team. And then they're just going to be one, one in one or two major injuries away from, from uh, not necessarily looking like one. But I, I do think that, like, you know, while plenty of, plenty of people want this rebuild to be over yesterday, I do think that, like, this offseason in particular has sort of given it a little bit more of a precise direction than it, than it's been. It's just that for the past few years, it's just sort of been, well, we're in a rebuilding mode and it's, it's going to sort of take its own time. And whenever it's ready, it's ready. And I think that getting Dougie Hamilton and getting a couple of other guys that are going to help right away sort of sets them in the right direction to where they want to be in a couple of years, I would say. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think the expectation for this year is uh, for one, like they, they just they're not going to get blown out, you know, once a week or, or, or whatever the whatever it was from, a, you know, from their lowest points over the past couple of years. I, I think they're, you know, I, I'm sure that they would like to get to the trade deadline and the discussion about the Devils not be okay, who, which, you know, which unrestricted free agent, you know, who are they trading PK Subban to or who are they trading? Um, actually, he might be the only major ufa on the on the roster now that i think about it but um but yeah just just that idea that like every year for the past few years it's whenever the trade deadline comes around it's who are they trading away you know this year maybe let's say they're you know a handful of points out of the playoffs and people are even talking about maybe they could try to add somebody to make a push um i I don't think that they're by any means is it like they have to make the playoffs this year i don't you know i don't think there's gonna be any sort of edict like that from ownership or from management or anything like that i I think they just want to see progress um and you know, and I think if there's enough progress this year, then maybe next year there will be a little more of a, hey, it's maybe it's time to make the playoffs and 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 start this. You know, I don't, I don't, I think a lot would have to go right this year and next off season for, for us to start next season thinking that they can be anything more than a, you know, just a a team that makes the playoffs, not not like a quote unquote Stanley Cup contender. But if things go in the right direction this year, then and go in the right direction next year, then I, I think I think that that window of contention that everybody always talks about is it's closer to happening now than it was a year ago or two years ago, for sure.
1: Well, Corey, we talked about everything. We talked about the draft. We talked about rumors. We talked about the off season. We talked about expectations and uh, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to just come on and talk about the New Jersey devils and Make sure you check out some of his work for The Athletic. He does uh, great work. And like I said, second time that I'm getting uh, The Athletic member to join the show, from Craig Custance to now Corey. So thanks once again.
0: Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. i will be happy to come back sometime during the season or training camp or whatever.
1: <laughs> you heard it here first. He'll be a friend of the show. He'll be a regular uh, uh, during the course of the season. Not my words, his words. I would like to once again thank Corey Massasak from The Athletic for taking time out of his day to come onto the show and just talk about the New Jersey Devils. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And hopefully this makes up for some of the events that I missed the past week or so. And um, like I said, I'm doing my best. But... Um, You know, what better way to uh, just catch up than someone from the Athletics. So that's about all the time I have for you guys today. Thanks for listening. Continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. I will catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Go Devils. And it's been a very successful offseason for the Devils this year, in my opinion. And I think a majority of you can agree with me in that regards. I can't wait for October, everybody. Go Devils.